Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large. Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Beck, and I am speaking with Linda Cox today, the first female EOD technician in the Air Force um, on Behind the Warrior. And Linda, welcome to Behind the Warrior podcast. I am looking forward to having this conversation with you and grateful that you took the time to chat with me. Hi, Sherry. Hi, everyone. Now, uh, Sherry, I'm honored, honored to be here on behalf of Behind the Warrior Thank you for having me. Okay, wonderful. Um, well, first, tell us where you grew up and a little family history. Um, well, we mostly grew up in uh, Oklahoma and Texas, uh, between the two. I grew up with uh, two older brothers, so I've always been surrounded by cars and motorcycles and go-karts and, and playing in the desert and whatever trouble that, that, that brought us. <laughs> Uh, my brothers are a huge part of me. They mostly taught me uh, everything. I know I give them credit. And uh, uh, they mostly taught me how to escape because they, uh, <laughs> they used to tie me up and lead me places. So I got really good at, at uh, undoing knots and escaping. So I owe that to those guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, having a couple older brothers can be interesting. You you kind of learn a lot of things you didn't think you should as a girl, maybe. <laughs> you do, you do. <laughs> All right, so uh, so you said Oklahoma and Texas. So do you consider yourself a, um, an Okie or a Texan? <laughs> well, you know what? It, it depends on who has the better football team, and uh, I'm close enough to the border where I can I can uh, change back and forth. So I'm an Okie a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm Texas a lot of the time, too. Okay, great, great. And did you grow up on a farm, or what What was your? What did your family no, do? No, uh, my, uh, my daddy traveled, and uh, my mother pretty much stayed at home and, and jobs here and there throughout our lives. But, but no, we just had some space in the desert when we were in Texas, and in uh, Oklahoma's little bit rural, but not too much, not not too bad. So mm-hmm. just small town, small town living. Gotcha. Got you. All right. Well, what led you to wanting to join the military? Uh, well, I, I, I ended up in Chickasha, Oklahoma, and Chickasha has a lot to offer, and I still go back there, but it didn't have a lot to offer what I thought I needed to do. Not that I had any plans, but I couldn't see myself uh, doing retail down at the TGNY for all of these years. So we just kind of, maybe I'll just go join the military. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my, my stepmother, Chris, she took me down to uh, Oklahoma City where the uh, recruiting offices were. And that's, that's pretty much it. Didn't have a plan. I didn't even know it was the Air Force I was going to go into, the, the recruiting office. They were all in one building, one one place. When you walked in the door, they were alphabetical. So Air Force was the first door, and that's where I ended up going. 
as you can say, there's kind of a thread through my life, and it's uh, it's called fate. And I I I stumble along and don't necessarily make these kinds of uh, decisions. It's fate that rules my life, and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, did you have a particular like what did you do when you first went into the Air Force? Did you have um, an an assignment, a job assignment, or what was your A school? Yes, uh-huh. I, I, I apparently I scored very high on the uh, mechanics test. Again, I, I credit my brothers for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, since I did that, they put me into a uh, running a printing press. So I ran their printing offices uh, as a young airman, running printing presses and doing all the printing that the base would need, such as base newspapers or announcements or orders or forms or all of that. So that's where I was and that's what I was doing mm-hmm. when right. EOD came along. Well, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool skill to, to learn. Yeah, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. And no what, Xerox machines. I'm sorry, say that again? <laughs> I just said no Xerox machines. We had to run a printing press. <laughs> right. <back> <laughs> right. <laughs> and what year was that? What year did you join the military? That was uh, seventy. One. Okay. Got yeah. All right. And so, how long were you um, doing the printing, running the printed press, and how did you find EOD? Um, that was about. It was about three years or so um, in printing, and uh, EOD. It, it kind of found me again. I, I had no idea that that job even existed or what it entailed. But a, a friend of mine did know, and uh, she dared me to do it. So I I had no idea what it was, but that's a true story. That's how I got into EOD was uh, uh, those three little words that Oki has to, has to live up to. I dare you. I dare <laughs> you to do this. So that's how I got in. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, what were the steps – what kind of steps did you have to take to get into the program? Uh, yeah, that that was kind of interesting. Uh, you send your – it's a formal school you have to apply to, and uh, you have to volunteer for it. And the forms that you fill out, you send it in. And, of course, they didn't accept them at the other end. They always came back thinking that there was a typo or a mistake on them because the female box was blocked instead of the male and and then it got sent back again because the the name couldn't possibly be right it must be Larry or something it shouldn't be Linda and uh, and then they when they finally got all that situated about the third time the form came back it said well um, have her go to the hospital and lift a hundred pounds and carry it a few feet or something. So I, I had to do that. And then I guess they just ran out of excuses, to tell you the truth, and had to had to let me in. So mm-hmm. that, that's, that's how it went. Yeah. Um, well, were you surprised that you got into EOD school after all of the, you know, um, back and forth of, is it, a, is it a guy or is it a girl? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I, um when they said that uh, there were no rules against it, 
that was the thing, then they they couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. So like I said, they just ran out of excuses and we just went for it. I had a good first sergeant at that time who who was in my corner and so he stood behind me and they when you can't say no, what else are you gonna do? Right. Well so that's off cool. I went. Yeah. Very cool. Well, when you arrived in Indian Head, Maryland, which was very rural at that time, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, <laughs> Sherry, I had no initial thoughts. Uh, I had no individual thoughts. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any. I, every thought that I had it was provided to me, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> So you weren't allowed, yeah, no one was probably allowed to be an independent thinker, right? (laughs) No, no, they told me everything I needed to know. And uh, I remember going into the commander, you had to go in one-on-one to the commander and get a briefing, the end briefing. And and mine was very short. It said, uh, he introduced himself, and then he said, we don't have a place to put you. You're going to live in base housing. And more importantly than that, don't go to the sportsman. The sportsman was a club that I guess had a reputation. Mm-hmm. That's all he said. <laughs> Excused. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, all right. I know. All right, then. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, will you share some of the challenges that you faced in being the first female to attend NAV School EOD? Well, uh, yes. Uh, as you said, uh, it was pretty rural when you got down uh, uh, down range. The, the biggest thing I had, this is true, there's no facilities. There's no outhouses when we're working in the training field or no nothing. For ladies, of course, the guys, there was none for them either. Mm-hmm. But as we all know, ladies, the world can can be the man's toilet, and it's not ours. We're a little bit different. <laughs> but when they started, when they started, kind of having a sense of humor, which I, I very much appreciated. Uh, I went downrange one one day, and I remember these two trees. They were about they were probably fifteen feet apart or so. And one of them had a sign nailed on it that said men. And the one on the left had a sign nailed on it that said Linda. So (laughs) they started having a little bit of a sense of humor and, you know, that made it, that made it better. Yeah. Well, humor is always appreciated when you're in difficult situations sometimes. So that's, (laughs) that's great. Um, But other than the facilities that, there were instructors that, you know, that tried to mess with you and tried to um, wash you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this, I remember this one old army cigar chewing, big old, you know, every, just typical army guys, E7 or whatever he was, got in my face, poked me in the chest, said, if you make it through my block, I'm going to retire. Well, I, I, I have no clue what he wanted me to say to that, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. You know, what, what do you say to that? So, you know, 
I don't know if he retired or not. I, I kind of hope he didn't, but on my behalf, but that's it. And then there's the other guys that, that tried to write you up for these idiotic things. Um, this one gentleman, back in that day, when you're doing a problem, you couldn't use your team. It was bizarre. You couldn't use your team. You as team leader had to do everything. You had to carry all of your tools down that you could possibly need in any scenario all the way down. Because if you got down there and didn't have what you needed for that particular fuse or scenario, you failed because you didn't have it with you. So you carry everything down all by yourself. So I had a 24-inch pipe wrench in case I needed to do this, and I had 50 feet of rope in case I needed to do this, and I had a toolbox. I, I was just loaded. I was strapped down like a mule. Now, all the other guys had to do this, too. It's not just me. So I, I pick all my equipment up, and I'm headed down there, and, and this problem was, it, it, it's not like it was across the driveway or anything. It was, you know, a football field away or something. And so I, I'm walking down there, and I stopped to change hands with my toolbox. It was heavy, mm-hmm. okay? It was heavy. I changed hands with my toolbox. I walked down some more, changed it back again, and, and he, he didn't like that. He wrote me up saying that, you know, Linda can't handle the field. She can't even carry a toolbox without changing hands and, you know, stuff, just bonehead stuff like that. So, but... Obviously, I, I made it through that block. And, and I will say this, um, that gentleman outranked me when I was there. Okay, everybody did. I was a buck sergeant. Mm-hmm. And I saw him later on in my career, in our careers, and I outranked him. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I outranked him by quite a bit. And I, I never said anything at all. I never said anything. But I will tell you, Sherry, that I I probably enjoyed seeing that just a little more than I should have. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and rightfully so. You know, I mean, wow. Um, bonehead. I know, bonehead. Yeah, bonehead. yeah. <laughs> well, um, thank you for sharing that story. That's a great story, and. Yeah. Um, clearly, the training to be an EOD technician is both both physically and mentally tough. No doubt about that. And it had its moments, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what What got you through? I mean, I I I just you just told the story about you know some of the challenges with maybe some of the instructors and that sort of thing that really didn't necessarily think you were going to make it or were going to push you to um, be tougher than what you were when you walked through the door, maybe. Um, but <laughs> what what got you through the, you know, um, I guess, study hall and school and just the arduous training schedule that you guys, you know, all did? You know, uh, it's true. It was, it did have its moments, uh, that's for sure. But, you know, it's funny, but you do, you gather strength, you gather strength, you gather strength from the people around you, from the situations around you, you're all in the same situation, you're all in the same boat, and and um, when they figured out that they didn't have to look at me any different, I was just a student, and the students, we were all in this together, you know, you're, you're part of one thing, you're all a part of one thing, you share that. And I think that that's where a lot of your strength comes from. It 
it uh, it kind of bucks you up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I, I thought I attributed it to. You don't do any of this success. You don't do any of this uh, a success in anything by yourself. Right. And uh, so that's <laughs> that's all I can really attribute it to, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Everybody. Well, through the course of your training at EOD school, were you in touch with your friend that dared you? <laughs> we lost contact. Oh. We lost contact. I would like for her to know, you know, where I am and where I ended up, but uh, uh-huh. I, I didn't talk to anybody while I was in school. I was too <laughs> afraid to do anything. And uh, so, but yeah. Yeah. Her name was, yeah. And what was her name, you said? Her name was Peggy McCormick. Mm. And she outranked me too. But but she got me into all this. If she hadn't dared me, I probably wouldn't have done it. Right. I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, wouldn't it be funny if um, she somehow listened to this podcast and contacted you oh, in some way, shape, or form? I would form? love it. Yeah. I would love it. I hope, she, I hope she's out there. I hope she did. Yeah, that is really cool. Um. Well, I know um, several uh, male EOD technicians that uh, served with you. Two of them, just off the top of my head, were uh, Ben Redmond and also Greg Middleman. And uh, they they speak very, very highly of you, Linda, and you're still friends with them today. Um, yeah. what, what contributed to creating those lasting bonds with your EOD brothers and sisters? <laughs> well, thank you, for, thank you for saying that. That's really nice to hear that. But yes, I, I I treasure those guys and and everyone else. But you, you know, you mentioned a a bond. Um, a a bond is it's really it's I. You're a lucky person if you share a bond with someone in this life. You're just a lucky person. But you know, I've got many, many, and so that's why I I feel very very lucky in this life and. These bonds, you you only have to share something with a person to make it a bond. It could be anything, uh, small or large or life-threatening or uh, anything. And the funny thing about being an EOD or any any elite uh, position or is that you you come with a bond. You know. We come that way, fresh right out of the package. We have a bond. We have a bond with whoever else we see simply because we wear that EOD crap. So we start off on the right foot. Like I said, right out of the package, we have a bond with 300 people we've never even met. So it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It is cool. Very cool. As far as, far as lasting, uh, you know, uh, I guess we've not... I guess I've not really forgotten that we have that bond, and the same with those people. Um, so, again, <laughs> can't help it. Mm-hmm. We come like that. Right, right. Um, well, you certainly uh, led the way for EOD women in the career field, Linda, and um Always having a positive attitude, and I know that Brian Kastner, also a, a veteran EOD technician, uh, did a great article highlighting your career in 2016 yes, called um, Blowing Up the Glass Ceiling, and 
in that article, you mentioned that you found being one of the guys a term of endearment. What What's your thought process on that? Well, I, I, being one of the guys, you, you, you gals out there, you other women out there, you may not know it. You may not know it right now, and you may not think it right now, but that is the best compliment you could ever, ever gain. And I'll tell you why. It means you, you didn't change. You don't have to change to be a part of this uh, uh, wonderful organization or part of this very elite group. You didn't change. What it means is they don't have to change. They didn't have to change to get you there. Mm-hmm. So one of the guys is a, is a terrific uh, compliment that, uh, that uh, you should cherish if you get it. Right. Be that. Be one of the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I love that you brought that forward um, and that it is a term of endearment for you. <laughs> and, <laughs> it is. And, and the reason why, you know, I think that's really, really special. So tell me about some of the highlights in your career, like any special awards or funny stories or travel or deployment adventures. Oh, uh, uh I have had some special awards and accolades uh, that I'm very, very proud of. I was actually military woman of the year, one year for San Antonio. And, but, but again, you owe that to your commanders and your colleagues that have to write up those submissions. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy job. So that's those guys that, that thought enough to put you in, those who you uh, – uh, credit that and Brian Kastner, you know, they can make anybody sound good. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> they did that. But, uh, have, you know, if they'd known the real truth of some of the stories, I remember one funny story. Uh, one time uh, I'd been in for probably two or three years and my, my partner at the time, my working partner, we were down on a job, very serious. The dog had alerted on a uh, bank of lockers. So there was something in there. And what it, what it was is this whole wall of these little bitty locker doors, it was an electrical panel behind it. It was all electronics behind there. And when you open these little lockers, there's no, they're not compartmentalized. So you can look left and right all the way down the wall and see what's going on. So we couldn't find what the dog was look, what had alerted on. There's something in there. So I opened this one door and stuck my head in. And I'm looking down. I can't see anything to the left, nothing to the right. Man, nothing's here, Raleigh. That was my partner, Raul Herrera. So I went to get my head out, and I was stuck. I was stuck in this wall of electronics. So, and Raul, he, he is a man that giggled. He giggled when he laughed, and it's very contagious. So he's giggling, and I'm mad because, help me, I can't get my head out of here. And I'm giggling, and it's amplifying because I'm in this metal, you know, uh, electronic station. And so it's it's just, oh, my gosh. And the people in the safe area, that's all they can hear is us giggling down there. 
in this, it was, it was, it was embarrassing. We finally got, you know, I finally got out, of course, but it was a mess. But <laughs> things like that went on all the time. And uh, had everybody known about those stories, I might not have been Woman of the Year. I right. <laughs> <laughs> so how did he help you get your head out of the out of oh, the locker? Well, after he stopped, you know, it was my it was my ears that your face. It was just exactly <laughs> the width of my face, and I got in there. So we just had to work one ear out at a time. My earrings, my, you know. My, oh my gosh! Was, oh my gosh! I know it was. It was funny, and he was not helpful at first because all they could do was giggle. Right. And, and Paige's laugh. So, uh, yeah, he was a mess. That's too he funny. Um, how about uh, any travel or deployment stories? Do you have anything special about those? You know, those were those were all all special. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exotic travels that I was, uh, you know, privileged to be a part of working for embassies and worked in the Sudan. Of course, that was that was later on in the UXO world, the Sudan, uh, Wake Island. But uh, again, that's how you you get those bonds. But those those exotic travels working for um, kings and queens and embassies and you're just in awe. And it really kind of brings home that you you're you're a big part of something. You're a part of something that's more than just <laughs> just one person. It's 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 a big. Uh, it, it covers many things. It's mm-hmm. not just one person at all. Uh, it was wonderful to be a part of. I'm very very uh, grateful for that. All those opportunities. Right. Um, how many how many deployments did you make overseas, uh, Linda? Um. Um, just being stationed, we were stationed, uh, Paul and I were stationed in, in Europe, overseas, Canada and, mm-hmm. and Europe, uh, being stationed. But as far as deployments, um, just a few embassy trips to Egypt and, uh, uh, again, like I said, in the UXO world, it was the Sudan and Wake Island and, uh, of course, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and EOD, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, not too many. I yeah. count them on one hand. One hand, yeah. Gotcha. Well, how how did you meet your husband? I I think you, if I read correctly in Brian's interview, I think you may have met him in Canada. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. We were stationed in a little uh, debt up there uh, in Bagotville, Canada. It's way up north. Northeastern Quebec, way up, way up there, and uh, uh, there was uh, there was about a hundred, I think, or so Americans up there. So it's very small, and um, I was single, and I had I had a pretty good ratio of pick up there. But uh, I, we of course met because you know the Americans were all right there in this one little debt. And uh, then I, I totaled my car. After being up there about a year, I totaled my car, and um, I, I needed to ride back and forth to work. We all lived off base because they didn't have room for the Americans to live on base. So we all lived off base. I was in a little apartment, and so was Paul in his little apartment. And uh, I needed to ride to work, So and he offered. So then we got to know each other a little better, and Whenever I was recuperating, recovering, 
He baked me a cake. He baked me a cake from scratch. So, what? I mean, w- come on, ladies. How? What else? I mean, he had my heart. And as you say, the rest was history after that. Oh, what kind of cake <laughs> it was, was it? <laughs> it was a poppy seed cake from scratch. But, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, so oh. it was cute. He's still he, cute. Yeah. We're friends. We're buddies. He's here in San Antonio. Uh-huh. Well, that sounds lovely. That's very sweet. Very sweet. Um, Well, when did you retire from the military, and and were you ready to transition to civilian life? You know, I I, I think I was. I was ready. I retired from the military in 97, 1997, and I was ready. Oh, I was looking forward to just kind of being home for a while. And um, then my old buddy called one day, Ben Redmond, mm-hmm. and said, hey, Linda, I know you're just sitting by your pool. What are you doing? I need you to go here. And I said, wow, okay. So that's where I went. That's how I got into the UXO field. So from EOD to UXO, and then, again, the rest is history. Right. It's good to have friends in different places, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So UXO work. Um, uh-huh. Are you still doing UXO or what are you doing right now? I, I am. I, I'm trying to back out. I've tried to retire or get out for a couple of years now. And I think I think this is the real year. Mm-hmm. I worked a little bit at the beginning of the year, but I really haven't worked anymore. And, um, you know, 47, 47 years in EOD slash UXO. Um, I, there's other, there's other things I enjoy. I enjoy doing. I have, I have hobbies, you know, I still love to, to travel exotic if, if I can. Um, I, I like to, uh, my my biggest hobby is archaeology, anthropology, that kind of thing. And I do volunteer work for scientific research companies that that need you to uh, do their labor. You know, you don't have to be sophisticated in knowledge. They just say, come on, and we'll teach you what you need to know. And uh, And so those kinds of travels have taken me to places that I would never have thought of going. And uh, so that's what I kind of like to do. And, and, you know, work is getting in the way. So I'm trying, <laughs> to, I'm trying to back out so I can pay more attention to doing that. Yeah. And that's really what I like to do. Enjoying some things. That, that's important. We were introduced to an organization that does uh, archaeology and geology sort of uh, things. Um, mm. And it's called AVAR, A-V-A-R. And I, I'll share that information with you because you might find it interesting. But um, please do, please yeah, do. yeah. And uh, they go to different battlefields, and oh. um, you know, obviously, they get permission to do that through the national park system or whatever the the, the case may be. But it is a very interesting organization, and we're looking at you know, sharing the information on Facebook and all that sort of thing in the, in the very near future. But they do look for EOD technicians, uh, to, to help them with those, those sorts of projects. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in. 
Okay. Yeah, share me the stuff. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah, oh, you're thanks. welcome. You're welcome. I'll definitely send it to you. Um, All right. But that sounds really interesting. I love it. Um, and and you get to go to some cool places. And and what? How? I don't know. Just um, battlefields, ex- stuff. Yeah, yeah, and just the exploration of it and the history mm-hmm. that was once mm-hmm. there. Um, oh, it's yeah. it's a very moving experience. I would imagine in addition to being rewarding also. Um, yeah. So very cool. Some of, our, some of our jobs, our contracts, we were in, uh, we were up in uh, Illinois, I believe it was, a couple of years ago, finding things from World War One. Mm. Now, we don't, we don't have books on that anymore, so it's kind of fun to look at it and hold it and figure out what it is, and, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of people <laughs> much better than I am at, at guesswork. But uh, it's just, uh, that's a neat thing. So this has got to be part of that. And you're, you're there investigating other things, too. We were just interested in ordinance, of course, on, on the contracts. But mm-hmm. this AVAR, they're interested in other things. Right. That's awesome. Right. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, well, um, do you have any advice that you would like to share with your EOD brothers and sisters that maybe you're out there still still with boots on the ground and fighting the fight and, and veterans too. You know, advice, um, this advice fits anyone, probably in any walk of life. Uh, just embrace it. Just em- embrace where you're at and, and who you're with. When you get out and we all scatter, when you get out and go somewhere else, it's the people that you will miss. It's the it's the people, and that you'll still always have that bond. But it's the people that you'll miss. So let's embrace it. Uh, your jobs, your TDYs, your colleagues, where you're at, your mission, uh, everything. Just uh, if you can be in the moment and embrace it. Mm-hmm. Right now is 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 everything. And and as for our veterans, like I said, we we are inherently scattered when we when we leave the military or get out, you guys are, are always a part of something of consequence, something extraordinary to be proud of. And even though we're scattered, no matter where you are, no matter what con- conditions you're under right now, you're still so very much a part of that extraordinary commodity. And, uh, uh, please, please don't forget that. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Correct. you for that, Linda. Yeah. So I I work with a female EOD technician, a veteran, Mo Tackett. And, awesome. Hi. Uh, Hi, Mo. Come yeah. on up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give her a hug for you. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, and she always says to me that, uh, I mean, not always, but when we have conversations about um, her career and that sort of thing, that she says she misses blowing stuff up. Do you miss that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I always uh, preface this job whenever somebody asks me about it. Uh, well, who, who doesn't like to blow stuff up, you know? <laughs> in. in in the good sense, not you know, not anything bad, but yeah, who doesn't like that? And you get that smell, and you get that sound, and you get the fireball, and uh, uh. Yeah. yeah, Mo and I are on the same street on that one. Okay. <laughs> well, cool. 
<laughs> Very cool. Um, well, Linda, as part of your legacy, how how do you want people to remember you? Oh, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I uh, I I guess just just one of the guys will be just that'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and anything, anything special for those female EOD technicians out there? Um, again, uh, if you're one of the guys, you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Just fine. Gotcha. Don't, if they don't have to change the rules for you, you're bigger than that. You're bigger than, it's, it's all bigger than just one person. Um, right. So. I don't know mm-hmm. if I said that right or not, Sherry, but that's what I mean. No, I I think you said it just fine. <laughs> um, well, do you have any exciting plans for the future? Just to keep up with, uh, I'm trying to uh, get on some more teams to volunteer this scientific research, and I'll look at that and, you know, maybe that AVA are could be one of them but uh i just uh, keep keep up with that i mm-hmm. i just so uh, i'm so taken with uh, with with that kind of interest that uh, it just thrills me when 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 scientific research uh intersect with historical things where they can prove each other there's just nothing that uh, that excites me more than that and I'll keep up with that and so that's where that's where all my money goes that's where I like to do and travel and 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 uh, play that game so hopefully I'll be doing that uh, some more in the future too yeah well that'll be great you gotta you gotta punch that ticket for retirement right and then you can do all the traveling you want to (laughs) that's right that's right. <laughs> On your <Okay>. terms. <laughs> um, well, cool. Um, well, before I um, let folks go from uh, the interview and everything, well, first I want to just say thank you so much for your time, Linda. And oh. then I would love to ask you um, a few of a few questions about your favorite things. So, um, tell me what your favorite food is. Oh man. I love tacos. I yeah. love tacos, and and I've got thirty-two sweet teeth. So you just put something with sugar in front of me with icing on it or something, and I'm I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, do you have a favorite book that you like, or an author? Um. Gosh, that's a tough one. I I love them all. I'm reading about four books right now just because. I, just because I like it, but mm-hmm. uh, I guess my favorite book, I've got one on the shelf that I continue to refer to, and it's about ancient inventions, you know, and it's so enlightening to know that, you know, people uh, like uh, in antiquity, uh, like Rome, for instance, let's just think about that in Caesar's day and before, they had vending machines, and they had fast food and they had a laundromats and you know just stuff like that just is blows me away and and uh, I love knowing that so that book it's a, it's an ancient inventions 
and wigs and makeup and all of that. Yeah, it's just really, that's an awesome book. So I, I do refer to it all the time. It's fun. It's, it's one of those things that tells you about how when you look at yourself and people in antiquity, it's not how much we differ, but it's how much we're the same. Mm. And, and that's what that's what makes it fun. That's my favorite. That's got to be my favorite book. Okay. Favorite. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. How about your favorite season of the year? Oh, Sherry. When spring comes along, I fall in love with spring. When summer comes along, I fall in love with summer. When fall comes along, I fall in love with fall. So come on. They're all my favorites at that time. When that calendar turns over, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love every month. That's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, you just love life. That's fantastic. I love it. And don't forget Christmas. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Are you close uh, to any family members there in San Antonio, where you are now? No, nobody's here. I've got some family up the road in Fredericksburg, Texas, and then uh-huh. uh, mostly up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So we're not far. Okay. Not far at all. Far enough, but not far. So, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I was recently in um, Medina, Texas, and I was told that Fredericksburg actually has the best peaches. They do. Fredericksburg, they're known for their peaches, Fredericksburg Mm -hmm. peaches. And uh, I've already had some this year, Mm -hmm. and they are good. And, And they're a little shopping, and they have a wonderful museum there, a Nimitz Museum. And that's where he was from. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Cool. There's lots of great things in Texas. Um, so, very cool. All right. Well, do you have a favorite movie? Mm. I, I can't say that I do have a favorite movie. I like all genres. I like dramas and cop shows and and, you know spooky movies and funny movies. I like them all, so mm-hmm. I really don't have a favorite. I really don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all right. I think, you know, um, it's it's cool to, to just be open to everything and to enjoy what you have in the moment, you know? So I think that's really cool. Very cool. Um, well, Linda, I again, I, I appreciate your time in talking with me and what a privilege it is for me to talk to you um, about uh-huh. just your military career and also being the first uh, female EOD technician uh, in the Air Force and leading the way and leading the charge for so many other females out there to want to want to get in this, you know, unique and uh, very... Um, elite community um, in addition to all of the relationships and, and the leadership that you've provided over the years not only to to females but also your your male counterparts and uh, so we thank you for that and it's it's such a pleasure well, to talk you. to you <laughs> thank you so much thank you Sherry thanks for those kind words and you give me way too much credit and uh, you and Greg Middleman are, are both doing some great things out there well, thank you so much you are welcome, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and I look forward to staying in touch with you. Yes, please do. I oh. would enjoy that thoroughly. Okay. Thanks a lot, Sherry. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to our Behind the Warrior podcast. This series is provided to you by the EOD Warrior Foundation. To learn more, please visit us on Facebook or at eodwarriorfoundation.org. And don't forget to tell a friend.